somewhere in the Houston Midtown area. It's the Sit Down with Slick Vic. Welcome everyone, it's the Sit Down with Slick Vic. It's your boy here, Slick Vic. I'm joined with a very special guest today, my partner, the future mother of my child. Ladies and gentlemen, Joan Hernandez Caston joins the show. Baby, welcome to the show. I had to give myself an applause. Uh, don't flatter yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, I know you very well. You know, we've been living together for a little while now. Since we've been dating. Since we've been dating, yes, we uh, moved in and started dating on the exact same day. We figured we'd just jump all the way in. <laughs> but um, a little bit about yourself. Can you let the audience know maybe your background? Uh, you are from, you were born where, in Austin? Yep. Born in Austin, Texas. Yep, keep it um, weird. Uh, your mother is black and your father Cuban. Yep. Where, uh, when did you move to Houston? When I was five, when my mom left my dad. <laughs> so your mom was a, a single mom? Yep, until I was 17. Until you were 17. Uh, how, how was that like for you, growing up in uh, A-Leaf? You were mostly in A-Leaf, right? Nope, I was in... <laughs> I was in Texas, I was in Houston, but I was in different areas. I was in Katy, Sugarland, Fort Bend, A-Leaf proper, Houston proper, Heights, and then for a year in San Diego. So no siblings, um, no father figure, your mom, you know, I'm sure she had to work. I didn't say I didn't have a father figure, well, I had I'm, multiple father my, my figures. My apologies, uh, no f biological father around, um. So who who were some of these father figures? My uncle, some of my mom's really good guy friends that have come and go since. And then I guess my grandpa for a little bit. Yeah. What were uh, some of the things you enjoyed doing when you were younger? Did you have any uh, any hobbies? or I know you enjoy singing. When did that all begin? Started, I started singing in a choir in elementary school i think it was like third grade maybe so i was like i don't know how old you are in third grade but i was about third grade <laughs> and um before that i just was always around music because my mom was a singer since i was in the womb so i've pretty much always been around music so singing was a hobby and then i also did gymnastics dance i did sports here and there and debate, and uh, oh, and writing, writing. I did a lot of writing. You still uh, enjoy singing now, so singing was something that, out of all those things, did you enjoy that the most? Or, I mean, you also do. Do you do any more writing now? What What are the things that you really continued from a child till now? I write occasionally. Um, Writing was more of a thing I did in my darker times of life. So more recently, I haven't really been having those dark times because, you know, you've been fulfilling me. So <laughs> I've been happy. Yeah, I heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I didn't say that. She did. And um, But singing, I don't know why I did it so long. I think it's just because I was in church choir and grew up kind of going to church and then after that I just started working as a professional singer and then I went to college and did it for fun in college and then came back and got a little more into like like 
neo soul and like jazz singing here so here in houston because i was in new orleans and got exposed to it so yeah you went to loyola loyola yeah loyola in new orleans yeah how was that experience did you enjoy your time there i enjoyed new orleans after i started exploring the city and getting to know it historically and socially rather than like what i saw as a college student on a college campus only with college students <laughs> once i started to actually get to know the city for the city and started to do the music and started to get involved in all that yeah i enjoyed it a lot more and i wasn't drinking i don't drink so that was that was a different experience, uh, <laughs> doing New Orleans without all the influence. Yeah, you don't drink. Um, why Why don't you drink? For those of you, I know why you don't drink, but why is it that you don't drink? Um, I, when I was 17, I ran away and had a bad drinking experience. Never really drank before that, and then after that, I just got super sick, and then I just never had a taste for it, so I don't have a taste for it. I just I can't even, even if I try something, it's like one, two sips max, and I'm like, good. Except if it's a, a very well-made strawberry uh, margarita, right? On the rocks. Strawberry margarita frozen. <laughs> frozen. And I can't taste the alcohol. Yeah. So where what did you, uh, what did you get your degree in, in at Loyola? Psychology. Psychology degree. Now, folks, just let me uh, keep in mind that I I do ask certain questions that I already know the answer to. <laughs> now he's getting to know me. Right <laughs> I just want to, you know, I'm kind of separating boyfriend, partner, and, you know, host of the show. So I got to, I'm separating here, trying to separate. I'm glad you, not, uh, you know, spoke to that because I was thinking, wow, they're going to think, why are they dating? <laughs> um, so... You finished college, and what was uh, you started working as as a teacher? Is that that was your first job after college? Mm, first job after college was server. Server. And then um, once I got my, well, then I started doing subbing because I was tired of doing serving, and then like substitute teaching, and then after I got my degree stuff or not my degree, my online certificate stuff together than I was teaching. So yeah. let's talk about teaching. What uh what did you enjoy the teaching? What 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 did you like? What didn't you like? Well I feel like I should back up and explain what I taught. So I taught <laughs> English to high school students. I started when I was subbing I was doing seventh through twelfth grade, but I never really did juniors or seniors. I just had like Seventh, eighth, ninth, and max tenth, and it wasn't always English. When I was subbing, I was doing like science and history and whatever else they needed you to sub for. And then once I started teaching, I was teaching English for high school, ninth through twelfth. First year was ninth graders, second year was all of the grades, ninth through twelfth. And I enjoyed the teaching job. As far as the mentorship part of it, but I didn't enjoy the actual teaching. I didn't like, first of all, I didn't like grading. And I didn't like having to explain 
how to write something. Why didn't you like grading? Because it's a lot of reading, and it's a lot of <laughs> reading bad writing, and it's a lot of just sitting there as a writer and as someone who took writing classes in college and being like, this is horrible. But doesn't? <laughs> but it, it, that's just more of a blank slate for you to mold, right? It's uh, the, your opportunity to, hey, get this student on the right. Well, people think that until they see how how not good the situation is what do you where do you think that that issue well the, the stem of the problem is it the educational system itself do you feel like maybe we're not preparing the kids because you were teaching you said high school right so mm -hmm. maybe the middle school elementary schools failed them in terms of preparing them for you know higher learning i think it's school i think it's parents i think it's society i think it's all of those combined i think i was teaching in areas that were um lower scs so the kids were from families that were immigrants that were non-english speakers that were doing jobs they had to do in order to make money and pay bills or their parents weren't home at all So the, these kids had really adult situations going on in their lives. And the ones that did have parents around had parents that were sometimes not even educated themselves and sometimes too busy with their own stuff to deal with their kids' stuff and sometimes just didn't care at all. And it just, it was all of it, like... And then some some districts believe in not leaving any kids behind. So you have all these kids, especially in Houston, that are ESL students, English as a second language students that don't know English or don't, um, or or they're just from a lower a lower SES social economic status area. So they don't have the education or the access that other kids have and they're just not learning but the this the teachers either just continue to pass them because if they don't pass them then they'll be their jobs will be looked at and they'll be like well why are you having failing kids well because they don't know how to read <laughs> like i have ninth graders that don't know how to read i have ninth graders that are on the level of fifth graders and that's normal and and most times they're below that And sometimes you get 12th graders that are on the level of 8th graders. And it's just, that's normal. So what do you think, what, what, would, what would you do, if, what would you change if you could change something to improve it? Um, well, I would just make it like to where the teachers weren't vilified for if their students aren't passing because ultimately... Kind of get stiffer on the kids, right? Kind of, I mean, because... Not like you, stiffer, but... I mean, you have to understand that all these kids come from different backgrounds and different areas, and they're going to have different, like, levels of time to study and understanding. And, and the thing about it is teachers either get frustrated because they're, they're having to do all this paperwork or all this grading or all this fill-in-the-blank semi-unnecessary things they have to do or they have to follow all these rules, they have to make all these all this homework, which is pointless once you get past a certain age. Or you have to, you expect these kids to do things that aren't a priority for them because they have other things that are more important, like 
feeding their younger siblings or something like that. And you have to understand that you have to you have to teach to the community that you are serving. You can't just act like the for instance, I went to A Leaf. I was in A Leaf for high school. You can't act like the the kids in A Leaf necessarily have the exact same abilities and resources and access as kids in Pearland ISD or Galveston ISD or filled in the blank like ISD. They're gonna have different levels of of what they have access to. No, I agree. Um, you know, the allocation of resources is uh is a huge issue and why you have the the variety of, of educational uh, levels in, in you know in high schools and middle schools across the country um, you mentioned earlier you you were a server um, how was that whole experience you know I I myself uh, have been a server before so I have a little bit of familiarity familiarity with the industry but did you did you enjoy it when you uh, when you were serving no. i mean just like teaching i enjoyed the personable aspect of it i enjoyed like talking to people and getting to know people and and sometimes especially for me i don't know why why this happens so frequently but people tend to just kind of open up to me and so it was nice to hear people's stories and hear what was going on in their lives and yada yada but as far as the actual like relying on tips to pay bills and like relying on like taking whatever kind of behavior your customer is going to give you that day like yeah no i didn't that's not my vibe yeah no i i i get it i understand that's one of the reasons why um you know i didn't like it was how you know people get this pass you know, no, no, it's fine. You know, well, but he said this to me. No, you, you got to take it, man. We can't. Customers always write philosophy. You know, it's just ridiculous how just because this person's spending a certain amount of money that I can be treated any way you know, like that's. Yeah, I don't allow disrespect, um, even if you're paying me money or not. <laughs> like. That was one of the things that I noticed, like, I think it was my junior, no, my sophomore or freshman year of college, I noticed I probably shouldn't be in the service industry because I worked at a grocery store and I worked like an early morning shift, like seven in the morning, which was normal. And someone came in, this couple, and in New Orleans, you have to ID everyone that's involved with buying the alcohol. So I was like, there was this couple... And I was like, are y'all together? And the lady immediately took offense. And she's like, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, like, are y'all together? Like, did y'all come here together? She's like, well, I don't know why you need to know that. And I was like, well, I just need to check your IDs if y'all are together. And she's like, uh, well, yeah, I'm buying it. And I'm like, well, I need to check both of your IDs. And she just was like putting up this fight. And I'm like, well, you can just shop somewhere else. <laughs> it was just, I mean, like, I know you're not supposed to do that, but I was just like, look, lady, like, this is a law. I'm not going to break the law for you, so you can go shop somewhere else. And my manager was just, she was like, I'm going to get you fired. Manager came over and said whatever she said to them, but then when the lady left, she was just like, you know, you can't say that again. And I was like, yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I didn't get in trouble. I didn't get fired. But it was just like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, you definitely have to have a certain level of patience with people, and 
you know, being able to, you know, put up with people's bullshit sometimes is, is really what you have to do, you know, because, you know, uh, these, especially, I mean, I mean, I, I did a lot of fine dining, so I can kind of speak on, you know, people with money, people who feel like they're entitled. Um, they just, you know, they'll, they'll treat you like you're less than human sometimes. And it's, it's ridiculous, you know, it's, 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 disre it's disrespectful and it's, it, it shouldn't, it should not be happening. Um, you also, um, did some, some modeling. Yeah. <laughs> the world of fashion. I've just been all over the place, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, how, how, uh, speak to me about the world of fashion. Speak to me about, uh, models. You have, you met all these models and <laughs> photographers and. He knows this is a hot spot for me. <laughs> Um, well, I enjoyed modeling for a little bit. And then in Houston, it's really weird because there are two different worlds of modeling. There's the white world and the black world. And that's just plain and simple. <laughs> I mean, there are the gigs you get paid to do and the gigs you don't get paid to do. And the gigs you don't get paid to do are often in the black world. And those are usually the ones with the black models that do, I mean, they're more inclusive. They have the shorter girls and the more curvy girls and the heavier set girls. But, and then like the girls with like vitiligo and stuff like that. But What, what is that? Uh, like patchiness of the skin. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like when you lose color. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. Like, I used to have really prominent scars on my face that have faded now. But, I mean, I started modeling when I had those. And that was the community in which those were more, um, things like that were more accepted. And in the other world, I mean, the white world where you are getting paid for more of your gigs, you basically just have to know the right people and you have to look a certain type of way. That's the world where... They want the girls to walk straighter and less like hippie and they want them to be skinnier and taller and have a certain look and have more natural features. Whereas in the black world, that's where they want you to be more sexual and touch your body more and shake your hips more and have fake lashes and have fake hair and have fake like it's just a bunch of fake, including the people in both, but especially in the black world. Yeah, so essentially they kind of did a little offshoot from because it was like, well, you know, screw this type of fashion. We're going to do our own thing. Yeah, the urban wear. The urban wear, right. And then if it was high fashion, it was it was a bunch of uh, designers who were cr like creating stuff for urban bodies, but because they know that that's not how you're going to make it, they want to aim for the taller, skinnier, more specific-looking girls versus urban girls because those those other looks are the girls that get on New York Fashion Week, and that's the ultimate goal. Uh, New York Fashion Week, is that, I guess, the, all the big names worldwide? Are... That's where either big names or up-and-coming names. Like, people, like, I think it was... Last year, New York Fashion Week had Rihanna, for instance. Rihanna's line, Fenty, was at New York Fashion Week last year. 
And like for someone to be on that level, like for a model to get to New York Fashion Week, that means you've been published. That means you've been photographed. That means you are on way on your way to make yourself known internationally. But that you're saying that all those models still fit the traditional. Yeah. If you're doing model Fashion Week, New York Fashion Week, like unless you have been handpicked by the designer and flown out there. You are five eight or more, um, skinny, zero to th- four maybe. So really, only like the when you actually do see like uh, the other type of model, you know, the heavier set, curvier model. That's usually when you have like these uh, these offshoot brands, right? That are kind of just trying to cater local brands, local brands, not as big brands. Yeah. So. I mean, in your opinion, would you say modeling has made very little progress? Like the the, the major modeling companies, in terms of um, maybe projecting a different type of beautiful, a curvier beautiful, or I think the major brands have made stri- like strokes in the right direction, but I think that the up and coming brands, while they might have started out. Um, inclusive unless that was their their selling point from the beginning and not just what they had access to those are just they tend to go a certain way because they know that's how you get to New York Fashion Week unless that is their brand like their brand is natural and inclusive then they're gonna probably lean towards more of the specific look that you need in order to be high fashion but I mean, once they once they've made it, they can do whatever they want. It's like Beyonce; like she was like really particular about her image, and now that she's like reached her level, now she's like a, she speaks out about things. She's a feminist. She's a Black Panther. Some might say she's this and that. But before she made it to that level, you didn't hear any of that stuff. So it's like she. It's very people are very particular about how they grow so that they can get to a certain level, and then once they get to that level. Then they decide what they want to do with it. So now, um, I kind of mentioned it in the intro, you are the future mother of my child. You are pregnant. Um, so 17 weeks? 18 18, today. 18 weeks. I was off by a week, folks. Um, yeah, it was just 17 yesterday, so you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how, how was, you know, this is your first child, also my first child, but you're my guest, so I'll let you give your perspective. So how how are you feeling? You know, you obviously I, I'm assuming you're past the shock of being <laughs> of knowing that you're bringing a baby in. So I mean, what's what's your current mental state? Okay, well, just for those of you who don't know what 17 or 18 weeks means, that means for four to four and a half months that I am pregnant and um my mental state and I don't mean I'm fine <laughs> the only thing is like I had been telling like we have this neighbor downstairs that uh I hang out with a lot Victor I think is jealous that I'm hanging out with her so much <laughs> but um I tell her like it doesn't seem real because I don't have a belly and blah blah, blah. but now I have a belly so Instead of me just being like, oh, yeah, I'm pregnant and just feeling like something I'm just saying now, it's like I can see it. Like it's like it's in my face. Like when I go to the bathroom, I can see it. 
Like when I go, I take a shower, I can see it. When I put on clothes, I can see it now. Like even my loose shirts are starting to protrude. So yeah, it's becoming not real, but like a constant like thing that I'm seeing happen to my body. And I now know like, oh, it's just going to get bigger. Like that's all that's going to happen. And I'm not saying that to say like, I'm not wanting to be big or anything. It's just that it's becoming more of like a realization that like, oh, there's like a kid that's going to be coming out of my body in November. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, you have, you know, becoming pregnant during this, you know, this epidemic, you know, well, it's not, not, a I mean, being pregnant, excuse me, being during, yeah, it is not a Corona baby. He knocked me up on his birthday. February 5th. <laughs> so a good month before everything went to shit. So yeah. everybody was still working, you know? Yeah. And I didn't know I was pregnant. And at work, I was really going through it because I was so tired all the time. But that's been, you know, an extra thing to have to worry about, right? Like, had this happened and, you know, we didn't Yeah, have... no, I'm grateful. Like, of course it's... Well, it's not even stress. Like, honestly, I'm not stressed. Like, I'm not stressed about money. I'm not stressed about, like, what's going to happen. I'm grateful that this happened right now because, well, I believe in timing of everything. And had I still been working right now, I don't know if I would have, I don't know what would have happened. Like, because while I was working, there were some things that were happening that were concerning to me. Once I did find out I was pregnant. And my body started doing things that was, to me, not normal if you're pregnant. And so I began worried. I began to become worried. And when this all happened, it gave me a chance to relax, which was good because you're really tired the first trimester. And I was worried about those things happening again. But now we're like almost five weeks, five months, so... We're past the point of things happening, bad things happening. Chances have dropped significantly, so I'm more positive. Yeah, I mean, uh, but, you know, I would imagine it being a little extra stressful on you for, you know, having a have a baby in you. And then now this, you know, whole epidemic happening at the same time, people out there um, really being reckless, you know, um, we know we're here, for those of you who don't know, we're here in Houston, Texas. And uh, Texas is really known around the country as just not giving a fuck. Um, we, <laughs> not as bad as Florida. Right, right. But, you know, we have, you know, restaurants are in full go, bars are in full go, clubs are in full clubs go. Clubs are jam-packed. Uh, beaches. People are chilling. People Water parks. Out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff is just happening down here. And people don't really care about it. How, how how do you feel about that? Seeing as how you were a part of the water um, park first and the of beach. All, <laughs> the beach and the water park were both by you wanting to do wow, both yeah, of those things. My fault, folks. It was all my fault. <laughs> I mean, of course, I was excited to go to the water park. But I did say, hey, maybe we shouldn't do it. And you're like, yeah, I think we should. So, you know, I'm not going to take full responsibility for that. But, um, I mean, I just 
take care of me and mine. So, you know, I'm on you about sanitizing and washing your hands all the time. And and I'm on me and myself about it. So, so there's certain things that you can do, right? You can prepare yourself in... Uh, and, and, and you know you have this information that you're getting, and you can take precautions during all this. But um, my next point is something that um, it's kind of hard to prepare for, um, kind of hard to educate people about, and uh, that's of course the current situation of what happened with uh, with George Floyd. Um, you know, you're you know you're half black. Um, you know, I grew up around you know a lot of black people but that's not the same so um what what how how is all this that has happened you know how how has it really uh made you feel how has it changed if it has changed how you look at people society um as you know last night uh we had the protests here in Houston very peaceful um yeah so what 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 with you know it's been going on what a couple a week couple weeks now since his passing um what what what's been going through your mind um well i'm a little different i guess uh i think about things very differently i don't i don't feel like I mean, of course, it's bad. I understand why people are mad. I understand why people are protesting. I understand why people want change. And, of course, I want change, too, especially because we're bringing a kid into this world. I don't want to bring my kid into a world that is crazy and chaotic, at least not to the level it is currently. And I'm glad that all this stuff has happened. I mean, we've had three months of people not doing anything. A whole lot of nothing going on except for being at the house and then perfect timing sad but perfect timing someone a black man loses his life to a police officer and people are just now coming back into the realm of being able to be out and do things and bam a protest worldwide so it protest it's great timing it's great timing because people are so bored for three months, that when something comes up, something that people are rightfully mad about, they are ready and willing to fully, fully like commit and protest and like kind of amplifies it, huh? Yeah, definitely amplifies it, and it, it's great. I mean, I this is the first time I feel like something is actually going to change. Like I don't sit here and I'm like, well, so tomorrow's like a regular day again like it's like okay let's see what keeps going on let's 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 see what changes start to happen let's see who we hold accountable and you were just reading earlier today like about additional cops and additional situations getting arrested for for their crimes and it's like i'm, I'm glad this is finally happening yeah i know right before and and, and it, right in time with elections no right right before we did we started the podcast the uh the new charges were posted uh the officer, you know, who had his knee on his neck now, his his charge has been upgraded to second-degree murder. Um, and the other officers that were standing around, now they're being charged with uh, with uh, uh, abate, abating in murder or helping out in the murder. I can't recall the exact charge, but everyone's getting charged. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're seeing, I think, what really gets, what really uh, makes me proud is, is seeing the world, you know, the world coming together. Um, you know, being like, really, America? Like, 
you don't have, you're 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 like number one in the world, but you still don't got your shit together. You know, other countries, you know, are going, hey man, like what what are y'all doing over there? This is this is uncalled for. This is unacceptable. Um, I mean that that I think that's that's awesome, right? Like seeing that. Yeah, and like we were just talking about with my mom, like it's. I lost my train of thought, but to backtrack, like I am, I am different in that. Like I see all this stuff happening, and I'm, I'm glad it's happening. Like I said before, I, I believe in perfect timing for everything. Um, perfect timing to get pregnant. Perfect timing for coronavirus to hit. Perfect timing for un- this unfortunate thing to happen because it's, it's really all allowing itself. Like it's, it's aiding itself and leading to the next big thing. Like after this we're gonna see like some like social changes happen politically and after that we're gonna see some political changes like with elections coming up and if people do not go to the polls after this like i will be very shocked like i expect people to be coming in record numbers yeah like record number like i don't i don't see how it could possibly be how it's been before and i i just think it's it's great i i mean of course i don't believe in violence as the best way to handle things but i think that given the circumstances it makes sense that it happened that way and i think that it's just a call to action and something's actually going to change this time what do you see as a maybe uh a solution to to this issue i mean i think when we when you look at the the you know the the, the minor issue in this, well, not the minor, but like um, like when you when you, the crime that was committed, right, that was police brutality and officer murdered a human being that it, that that didn't have to happen, right? So we obviously need to change um, some laws in the way the police are governed. But the bigger picture in all this is. Is racism, right? It's it's discrimination. That's that's the big picture, the 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 issue we're having. Um, what what do you think would be the steps that we need to take in order to start, uh, you know, mending and and really fixing this issue? Well, again, this is because I think differently. <laughs> I I don't I don't necessarily want to say it's racism that's the issue. I think it's greed and power and just this like we were talking about earlier like this carnal like desires of just being in charge or being in power of something or being over something or having some sort of I don't know weird like like oh I deserve this or it has to be this way like it's it's all fear it's all like people are worried that if it doesn't stay the way it is then they will lose what they have and I mean, I understand that fear. I, I get it. I understand like racist people being scared of things being the other way around. Because if you are racist and you are benefiting from that racist, um, from racism, like you are getting certain allowances because of it, then yeah, it, it, it's scary to, to think of a world in which you might not have that. And I understand that. But what people aren't understanding is what's being, like, the other side of that is the people who aren't uh, benefiting from racism are 
getting a lot of the shorter end of the stick. It's like not even like, you know, equitable. It's not even close to equal. It's not even like, I mean, like, like my mom has said before, like, we just, we just want to, you know, matter. Like, we just want black lives to matter. That's it. Like, we don't, we don't, you know, necessarily want to overpower you or over or anything. We just, you know, want to, like, if we get shot in the street, we want people to care. Like, that's, that's, that's it. Like, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not I, I think, that radical of an idea. I think, yeah, definitely when you look at um, the, the really big picture, it is about uh, those in control, right? The ones that who are... who Fear. It's really about fear. Right. Fear of losing control, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they have all these things in place in order for them to re- remain in power because you're right. They don't want to lose it, right? You, you're used to a certain way of living, a certain way of life. If it, things go another way, how is how is your life going to change? Yeah, so, and it, it's not only fear of losing control, but it's just fear of the unknown of what will happen should that happen. But, but like, should something change, I don't know what's going to happen. But I, w- I was there. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. But I was referring uh, more to how do you um, help people who have that hate? You know, there there are people who necessarily don't have you know all this power or money but they, but they still hate but they you know they're from you know uh some place in the middle of you know one of you know Alabama or something and they just uh you know they you know they just, just they're experience just, you just don't have experience it's lack of experience well it's just lack of experience like you've had so many experiences like maybe 5 or 1 or i, I don't know 10 or multiple i mean it's just your experiences have made you into who you are I mean, that's either you were raised into this type of mentality or you had these experiences that negatively impacted you or you had one experience and it was so traumatic that it just you can't think of it any other way. Or, I mean, that's ultimately what it is. I mean, that happens not only with race, but with women, with men and men with other things like I've, I've heard women that had one or multiple bad experiences with men and were like, I will never ever be with a man like that. Some, for some women I've met, that was their reason for dating women. Of right. course, I don't believe that that's, that's not the whole reason because that's not my reason for dating women. Right. I mean, granted, I mean, I'm bi. Uh, y'all probably don't know that. And, um, that's not my reason. My reason is just attraction, but I know that some women are like that. And I know that, some women, some people just have experiences that just completely change how they view things and forever impact them and how they believe and trust in certain things. Yeah, you mentioned earlier fear. Um, you know, I, I've I've done a lot of research on, on why there's so much hate and, and you know, between even between, uh, you know, Christians and Muslims, which goes back, you know, hundreds of years is... Uh, you know, fear of, of, and it's not just in this, in, in, in racism, it's in fear and, uh, just anything you don't understand, right? Uh, people are scared of the dark because they think they're going to, something's going to happen to them if they, if they're in the dark, but in reality, nothing happens to you if you lock yourself in the closet. Um, so I, I think, uh, I think the issue really comes down to, to building, building relationships and educating people and into understanding other cultures. Um, there, you know, you not only other cultures, but other people. 
Right. Like you just have to, because even within a culture, there can be people that don't fit that culture. Like I'm black. Like externally, you look at me, I look black, but I'm more Latina in culture than I am black. And that's because I was raised more within that culture. Well, yes, my mom was, is a black woman and, and I was raised by her. I was still very, because of my lack of my Latin side, I think she, you know, really went out of her way to make sure that I grew up with that. So I, I am more um, Latina, like culturally, than I am black, but I still am black. Like I still had a black mom. I still have a majority black family. Um, most of my best friends are black. Like today, I had a black college experience. I had some co uh, high school and middle school and elementary schools that were majority black or other. So, I mean, yeah, you have to really get to know the person not right. necessarily just well you and you and you and i are very fortunate that we attended uh very diverse schools you know we, and lived in houston yeah right man we both graduated from alsic you know yeah. Ailey, years go, apart go rams lots of years apart <laughs> we, we yes did. um so <laughs> you know one thing and and i've noticed this in in uh you know my facebook uh, timeline or my feed where people because I am friends with so many people from Aleph and you know, there's so much reactions going on right now to what's happening and people are always just like, Well, that's because they're not from Aleph, you know, in Aleph, you know, you knew someone from Pakistan, someone that was black, white, Asian. Um, and so you you have that education, you have that experience on a on a one on one basis. You establish those relationships which 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 I think really what it comes down to is the most important thing to have a a very peaceful successful society and like you said earlier we were talking to your mom um we had a pretty long discussion with her earlier and she was referring to community how important community is uh how how we're tribal by origin we're we are a pack species um we need to be around each other we need to uh show empathy and and, and express feelings and i think society is pushing more to hey you don't really have to go out you can just do everything online you don't have to establish those relationships you know getting getting to know somebody via email via uh, video conference it's not the same right it's not the same as giving somebody a hug saying how you're doing looking them in your eyes and and that's really what it comes down to is is like you said it, it's, it's it's fear it's not understanding it's not uh i've had i've had i had a friend you know he was like you know you know he he he's half black and he do at his job was facing a lot of discrimination and he one day he had a very uh you know traumatic event and he was just like he went on this you know long rant and he was like man you know what you know i'm not you know forget white people like i'm done with them i'm done that's it i can't take this anymore i'm done and he's saying this in front of me i'm mexican but my home, my other friend, he's white, and he he's really and he's friends with him and his family. And he's like, I can't take it no more. I can't, I can't take these white people no more, except for you and your family. You guys are cool, but everybody, you know. And it's like, it's like, come on, like you can't, you can't allow yourself to, you know. I, I get it. You know, I've dealt with racism. I've seen racism dealt on other people. I get it, but we all know that. That's not the answer, right? Violence is not the answer. It, it, 
you don't add, you know, propane to the fire to try to put it out. It's just it's not going to happen. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you can have a really good fire for like an hour. Right. Uh, but if you want to end that, you got to leave it alone. Well, not leave it alone, but you got to let it die down. Yeah, I mean, I think when you when you look at it, um, this issue is, you know, I think we're going to get some change here. You know, we're going to get. Uh, I think I think they they're going to have to hang these officers. Not not literally, but you know, they're they're going <laughs> they're going to have to they're going to have to get convicted of of, uh, and 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 serve some 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 uh, a long period of time. Like they had, it's at the point now where. If that doesn't happen, the outcry, right? It's it's going to be too yeah. loud. They really can't. Uh, they can't. They just can't. They, ha- they really. They have to make an example. It's not something you can ignore it, at this it, point. You, you have to make an example. You know, um, it, it. You just have to. You have to make an example, and you have to start with uh, changing policy when it comes to the police and the way they do. You know, they do their thing. Like, and voting. Yes, voting voting is very important. Um, one thing I I would like to say, like uh, I've talked to several people, like, well, what do you, what do you do with, with with just that one thing? You know, you got to take it one issue at a time. So focusing just on police brutality, you know, this it's not it's not an issue that is just new. It's kind of like we remember Colin Kaepernick putting his knee down. Now it's all come full circle, right? Um, his reason why he did that was to bring light to this problem, this police brutality. They kind of just swept him under the rug, and now it's all back yeah. to the light again. I mean, he literally lost almost everything because of that. Because of something that cops are getting photo ops doing. No, yeah. And it's, it's like, I mean, they're... Like, I understand people's... Under, I, I understand people not agreeing with that, like kneeling. Like, I, I understand that for some people, the flag means everything. But I also understand for some people the flag is just a reminder of a an, an oppression. No, it's yeah. We I mean we were just talking about that due to the Drew Brees comments and 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 I even actually read more about what he said. You know, he was sent, he was for those of you not aware, he he uh, they asked him about you know the Colin Kaepernick kneeling because it was because of what happened uh, with George Floyd, and he was saying look because they asked him about it when he, when. Colin was initially kneeling and he said, look, my stance has not changed. I I don't think that people should disrespect the flag. But at the same time, he went on to say that he's all for this and that and the other. And I just think people... It's about may, respecting right, right. right of protest, not and, necessarily... Right. Just because he, he doesn't agree with, like, that's not something he would do. Yeah. He, he still acknowledges, like, he doesn't... I don't think he is against the message. Right? Yeah, like, like, that's what it's about. Like, it's about, like... You don't have to do it. You don't have to believe in it. But just understand that it is their right to protest that. Right. And, like, respect that. Because we respect, like, people who aren't protesting the things you're protesting respect your right to not protest. So, like, you should respect their right to do that. Like, that's that's what being American is. Like, being able to have a voice and and have an opinion and and be able to voice your opinion and it be different and that be okay. Like that's, that's what it's about. And we're seeing a lot of un-American things happening because people are so upset about their opinion, not being the main opinion, but times are changing Mm -hmm. and uh, things are about to change. Like things are going to get very different. 
I think I think the next big change we're going to see, and and I thought that it it was already going to happen. It should have already happened. I remember when the technology was introduced, when they were like, "Hey, look, we have this technology. We can put this camera on a cop. We can see what he sees. Maybe this way, they won't. You know, they'll they'll, they'll behave right." And you know, people were saying, "Well, that's a lot of footage. You know, that's a lot of things to watch." And then I mentioned, "Well, you, the sensor can include a heart monitor and." and pulse monitoring and it could it could you know when a cop is facing a very uh, stressful situation it you know it will let the people know but i i really do believe that that's what's going to happen because we're at the point now where we're like hey um obviously you're going to have to you know really punish these guys send the message uh laws will be changed protocols will be changed as a matter of fact you know i saw uh, a cop discussing this on his uh, social media Cops are not trained to put pressure on the neck area. They're put. They're, it's supposed. To, it's supposed to be like head or back. Well, cops are trained to de-escalate. That's right. the first thing. True, but, like, but they're but, not trained to automatically escalate a situation. No, well, I'm just saying, like, even if they have to restrain somebody, right? Yeah. There's certain ways of doing it without killing them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what you know. So it's about. It's about submission, not necessarily like submission to death. Like, you know, like it's it's definitely not about that. It's, it's about it's, it's, getting them to a position in which they will no longer retaliate or fight and not to the point of where like they are so out of it from lack of breath or blood flow that they, they well, can't well, respond right, anymore. Right, right. But I think um, you... So the one one thing that that I realize is that one of the reasons why officers have to use these extreme measures or even have to use their weapons prematurely is because of their lack of training. Um, yeah. I was talking to uh, an acquaint a friend of mine who is going to go into the police academy, and I was talking to him about it, and he said that, well, yeah, they're going to skip the. Uh, the the the, the physical P, the, training. yeah the the PT part of it, at, at, and, you know in the beginning because of obviously you can't really meet up but but when they do finally get to it they're gonna allow them to like it won't be as difficult because of all the you know everything that's happening I'm just like nah like because of everything that's happening you really should have these people more prepared like I I really don't understand. And then, you know, they they don't have like uh, these like yearly check-ins where they have to maintain a certain level of athleticism. And like you, you're not supposed to rely on your weapon. That's supposed to be uh, kind of like your your last. That is your last resort. Right. But, uh, I mean, because you have other weapons. Right. Like apparently. You, you know, you, you have a baton, you have, have a taser, taser you have pepper spray. spray but like apparently <laughs> they don't know this because it's, they're, they're, you know, it's not happening and. And that 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 to me is a uh, lack of training, lack of whatever they have to do to get them ready, and whatever they have to do to they're not doing it, and then they're not maintaining their readiness just because okay you they're ready when they graduate the academy, there still has to be they have to maintain readiness like you just mm-hmm. you just can't get ready and then all of a sudden five years later I just mean, yeah like i was in rotc when i was in college and it wasn't just like we passed one pt test and we were good you know like we did a pt test like once every maybe two weeks and we had to be able to if not improve at least maintain what you got last time 
And like, that was like, you know, a mile and a half. That was like a certain amount of push-ups within a minute. That was a certain amount of sit-ups, like all these things that like had to either be passing or better than passing every time. And if you didn't, you, you had repercussions by way of, oh, you need to focus more. Or you need to take a step back from ROTC or whatever it was. But yeah, it wasn't just a one and done. You're good. Like you're going to training now. It's like, nah, you got to like keep this up like for four years. <laughs> you know, you mentioned earlier um, elections. Uh, people can vote. Oh, people can always vote, but they need to vote. You know, uh, it's kind of hard to complain when, when you're not doing anything about it, right? You can't really sit here and, and, and mope and And, and people cry. do. They No, they do. And, then they, and, and that's they, the weird part. It, it's it's one of those things where I think people are starting, you know, you know, Trump winning the election, you know, that that was baffling. You know, I, I was so baffled when that happened. And uh, I was like, well, you know, he's going to fuck it up somehow. These next four years, he's going to do some shit that people are going to say, you know what, this guy, this guy's got to go. And I wasn't sure that was going to happen, but I'm sure now. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, it was. I was so sure he wasn't going to get in in the right. first place. That's well. That's like, why I, I was like watching the election. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, the numbers are like in Hillary's favor. Favor, and then just like as the night went on, eleven o'clock, eleven thirty, twelve midnight, it was like, wow, this is uh, getting well, a little yeah, close. Well, I, mean, that, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Um, that's why I. It was so difficult for me to go well. I was wrong before with this, so I'm probably going to be wrong again. And, you know, it's always difficult to defeat the incumbent. So I just assumed that, you know, he was going to he was gonna be reelected. Um, but, you know, after what, the stunt that he pulled with the clearing of the protesters, you know, the tear gas, all for a photo op. All for a photo op. And, and Well, I mean, see, so Republicans had already come back and been like, oh, we don't agree with Trump. This is not the guy that we want to represent our party. They had already done that a year or two ago. But there were still people that supported him, and there were still, like, a large majority of Republicans that were on his side. But, yeah, once you, uh, you know, betray the religious sect of the United States, which... I mean, there are a lot of religious people on the Democratic side as well, but I feel like more Republicans are religious than Democrats. They're probably and, a little bit more uh, traditional, yeah. Yeah, so uh, once you offend the uh, religious folk, you pretty much lost the election at that point. I mean, you can't really, you can't offend Catholics and Christians. You, you just can't do that and, and get away with it. It's sad that it took offending them based off of religion like because there were so many other reasons why he's you know he offended so many other groups and did so many other atrocious things that like should not have like should have gotten him impeached or just not elected in the first place but i'm glad this seems to be the thing that is taking away like a majority of voters i'm glad <laughs> i mean i'm fortunate that it had to come to this but I'm glad that this seems to be the thing. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, the whole entire, you know, incident that occurred is, is, you know, just horrific. And, 
you know, you you know, all you can hope for that, you know, that atrocity, that's that evilness is is to have that balance, right? To have, you know, that happen. So out of that comes, you know, you hope you, you get this change, you know, you get um, you know, it it it's you know, he he, he we need him to be, you know, a mortar, you know, to to not have yeah. died in vain and, and for something to 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 really, really change and not and not just, you know, he, okay, here's this be you know be happy with that but for it to be a snowball for it to just you know build that momentum yeah like so i mean obviously this is not the first time a black man has died at the hand of police um in within even the last five years and um i i at first i was like okay i mean a lot of people are mad but I don't know. This has happened before. People have protested before and nothing has changed. I mean, this happened with Trayvon Martin. I mean, right. I mean, there were protests on my campus. There were protests in the streets. People were protesting all over the place. And still, you know, this happened years later. And um, I was just like, well, I mean, I guess. And then what really made the change was, well, first thing that really kind of stood out was that the protest in Houston was peaceful. That was the first thing that was like, okay. Like, because I really, truly thought that in that 15-minute walk between Discovery Green and City Hall, that it was going to be a massacre. I I truly thought that something was going to happen and lots of people were going to die, and it didn't. And that was the first thing I was like, okay, this is different. This is good. And then after that, once I saw the next day, people posting about other companies or or companies that had not shown up for this event, like had not blacked out or had not um, made a statement about it and were showing actually like boycotting these brands. I was like, okay, this is different too. Because people have always said like, oh, we're going to boycott this group or we're going to boycott Chick-fil-A because they don't like gays and da da da. But like, it doesn't happen, you know, like, but when when this happened and then people were like, oh, we're going to boycott Dolls Kill because the lady that owns it said that they were rightfully shooting at protesters in front of her store. And then they were like, oh, Wendy's and all these other brands support the Trump re, uh, re, uh, Election. re-election. And once I saw people actually saying this stuff, that's when I was like, OK, this is like different from before. This is like good. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Like, unfortunate as it is for these companies, I'm glad that, you know, people are actually like, no, let's actually boycott this time around. Like, let's actually realize our power with this. And, like, let's support local black-owned businesses. Like, that, once I started seeing those things on social media, that's when it really was like, okay, this is different. You know, what I really would like to see is, uh, you know, we we all have... We all have somebody we know close, you know, that that we're close to that... That that you know is 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 a part of the the propaganda, a part of the separation. You know, um, they might not say it like in public, but you see their posts on social media. You know these 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 remarks of of hate towards the other side, um, regardless of whether it's Republican, Democrat, Christian, Muslim, regardless of what the separation is. Um, the separation, it just has to stop. It, it has to, 
You know, it has to, you have to have a conversation with whatever you have this opposition to, what, whatever it is you don't like or don't understand, you need to have a conversation with a person in that group, period. That is really the only way for you to understand that other group. Or, or you know, you have this, uh, this idea, this stigma of, you know, whether it's a Democrat, whether it's a Muslim, of uh, and you're just like you know I hate all of them or you're all stupid or or you're all wrong and it's and you know that's just not that that's very childish that's very immature and you really need to do some research and really understand what's important and what really matters in this world and it's not about who's you know it's, it's, it's people are just focused on uh on this false information and, and they got their values all twisted. And I think the most important thing is just, you know, you're being respectful and bonding with your fellow man and, you know, love and peace and everything else is kind of, you know, take care of itself. If, if you really have those, those core values going. Yeah. And I don't even think like, like a lot of people uh, put a lot of weight on doing research. And I understand that. And of course I think it's, good to have an informed uh informed knowledge like informed inform like you have actually figured out statistics and information stuff like that but you know that's not the only way to gain knowledge you know like like you said like having a conversation with someone like having a conversation with the with a group you would never normally talk to like that can be very very eye-opening and very um changing like for each group like it, i mean you've told me time stories about that musician that black musician who played in that racist bar or something oh yeah the, the kkk yeah the jazz player and, yeah and then they they became friends and like they started the relationship yeah and and it's like well yeah these groups would never normally just hang out hang right. out or chill or anything talk <laughs> and and they bonded over music which is great and then they you know got to know more about each other and became friends yeah and so like stuff like that like just having just a conversation and, and, and actually listening to each other and actually understanding why each of you feel the way you feel. Like, it's like the, it's like, I mean, this, this conversation seems to never end and now hasn't really been mentioned in so long, but pro-life versus pro-choice, it's like, you really have to listen to both sides. Like, it's really easy to understand either side if you just listen to either side. I mean, I can see the reasons for pro-choice and I can see the reasons for pro-life. Like, I, re I can get it both ways. But, I mean, if that's not my, you know, I have my personal opinion about that, but I can understand the other side. Just as, as if someone heard, you know, my reasons for my side, they would be like, okay, that makes sense as well. Like, but it's just people are so unwilling to just kind of listen. You have to listen. To, because and, and Because they're so worried about like when people commit to an idea like a a way of thinking they feel and this is me assuming but they feel that if they no longer believe what they have believed and have pushed and have thought to be the the right way and the right answer that they now 
start to question other aspects of their beliefs. And it's like, that's not, you know, that's not always the thing. And, and even if it is the thing, I mean, maybe it's good to rethink those, those other things. Like maybe you should think about those other aspects or those other political situations or those other moral decisions and things in life that you've decided on, or maybe you just agreed upon because someone else did and like, see if you truly do believe that if you truly do agree with whatever your community has made you agree with or you just kind of just lumped yourself into because you're surrounded by those people or you hear it all the time like you know look at the other side and see what you really really think you know when you uh you know there's like certain religious people that when you when you talk to them about religion and they'll be, and you know let's say just take they're christian and you ask them about Oh, so what do you think about like Muslims? Are they all going to hell? What do you think what's gonna to happen to them? You know, they're just like, Well, you know, we're not very different, you know. As long as you're doing, you know, these things here, everything's gonna be fine. You know, and I think if you yeah, take those the, are the good ones. Right, and the yeah, bad those, those, ones are like, no. Right, those are the good ones. And I, but I think <laughs> if you take that same approach um with people and if you really get to know somebody, I don't care if they're from Siberia, they have children they have you know they, they get old they have pain they have they're 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 they deal with the same problems that you deal with they are humans they have the same issues they deal with death sickness uh it's it's i mean we literally go through the exact same thing and the only thing that makes us different is our environment and to say that somebody is less than you or someone is wrong because they had a different path in life is ridiculous, you know? Or a different, not even a different path, but like a different start, a different location, a different uh, situation. Like, you know, like all these little aspects, like because you were born in a different city or a different country or yeah. a different region or to a different type of family or to... You know, like it's all these little things that can make really, really big changes. You know, if you, for if you just put a, a group of people and go, all right, y'all talk, y'all go ahead and talk. Just don't, don't ask or say your religious or political preference, and just talk. People are going to talk, have a good time. There's going to be no issues. I mean, but I mean that's why people say, right? You don't talk politics and religion at dinner, right? Because it immediately leads to problems. Immediately. There's all. I, I, well, and, I don't think that's how it should be looked at. You know, I don't think it should be looked at like, oh, this is a taboo topic because it being taboo is why we are where we are. Like, re like racism and race being taboo is why we have not like succeeded more than we could have at this point. Like, if 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 black people were more willing to talk to white people about how to be allies to the black community and to answer the questions that white people have, because I heard this all the time in college and I still hear this to this day. All these white people are like, how do I help? How do I do this? How do I do that? And they want to know, like, you know, they want to, I don't know, be part of the community. Like, by way of dressing or hair, or they just have been in the community, they've grown up in that community. And then like black people that feel like they have some sort of entitlement 
are like, no, you can't do that. You can't be in our community. You can't it's on both have sides. our hair. You can't have our clothes. It's like, I mean, but why? Like, yeah, yeah, why? Why can't you? Like, why can't you wear your hair how you want? Why can't you wear your clothes how you want? Like, if you think the style is cool, the only thing is don't call it your own. If it wasn't your community that started it, don't call it your own. That's the only thing. That's my only thing. Like, I don't care what you do, but don't say that white people started cornrows because they didn't. Okay. Like, well, yeah. Slaves were putting rice and seeds in cornrows for when they ran away so that they could grow crops. So don't sit here and say that white people started cornrows. Even, even like Native Americans, they were. Yeah. Well, they didn't have cornrows. They had straight hair. But they braided their hair too, didn't they? Yeah, but not in cornrows. Oh, well. They were just braids. I don't know too much about hair. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you'll learn with the with the half black daughter. You will. You'll learn. <laughs> yeah, I might have to corn roll my daughter's hair. Yeah, well, one day you'll get there. Uh, you have to <laughs> practice on me first. <laughs> That's fine. She has long curly hair. So. Yeah, I have very thick, long curly hair. But uh, you you can corn roll my hair. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to corn roll. I just do regular braids. <laughs> but my mom got you. <laughs> well, folks, we've obviously lost track here and uh, started talking about cornrows. But um, <laughs> I really hope uh, y'all got some out of this. Uh, you know, just, you know, go out there and, and, and just be a part of the solution. I mean, I mean, this is this is a very important time. Um, you know, you don't you don't want to be. Uh, focused on on any negative energy there's enough negative energy out there as it is you need to remember manifestation whatever you manifest will come that means positive or negative if you start telling yourself you can't do something or this is going to be the negative outcome that will happen so start being positive and i just like i said just take this recommendation for me i know i know there's somebody or some people or something that you you know that you don't like you go out there and, 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 and just face it, man. Just face what you don't understand and just realize that, that you really don't have anything to worry about. You know, you're, you're, you're missing, you're closing doors. You're missing out. Um, you never want to live life and, 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 and just like eliminate all, all these different parts of it just, just because of these false stigmas. You need to... You're missing out on a lot. Missing out on a lot, yeah. Absolutely. Like you could be missing out a potential love partner. Yeah, you could exactly somebody who's gonna, you know, make your life better, and you can build something. Yeah. yeah. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. Joie, thank you for coming on. I'm gonna shamelessly plug myself. My Instagram is at miss m i s s underscore c a s t o n. Follow me if you wanna hear more. What she doesn't know is I'm gonna edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, folks. Y'all have a good one. <laughs> Bye.